Hello to all of you fine folks out there, and welcome to the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. His name is Alex. My name is Frank. Today is December the 21st, 2021, and on this date in history in 1891, a 30-year-old James Naismith Ah. brings 18 students into the International Young Men's Christian Association Training School gym where he attaches two peach baskets to either end of the gym, hands the kid a soccer ball, and thus the first game of basketball is played in world's history. Happy birthday to basketball today. wonder if uh, James knew what it would become or what he would think of it today. I wonder what he would think of LeBron James being a bitch. <laughs> I'd love to hear Mr. Naismith's thoughts. <laughs> I wonder if like he was like a huge racist and then like he would see it today and just be like so upset. Just appalled. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you created the best sport for the but race you, you hate. <laughs> you let them in <laughs> and now they're dominating? <laughs> oh, he probably man. was. I mean, this this happened in Massachusetts. Which I, I saw that today online. I didn't know that. I thought it was Indiana. I don't know why, but I always just thought basketball was made in Indiana. Yeah, if you want to twist the knife a little bit more uh, uh mr naismith was a fucking canuck really you don't yeah. say eh? hey wow from montreal so he's French Canadian. Canadian. god it's even worse it's like a rusty knife that expands why it's so popular in france though yeah maybe it is a it is like pro i would imagine it's like the second or third like most worldly sport next to probably soccer and cricket baseball's got to be up there too right no a lot of people fuck there. with baseball in asia Baseball's up there like, for sure. I don't know. Yeah, maybe baseball is more popular worldwide than than basketball. But I, you know what? I don't think so because Spain's got a lot of good basketball players. France got a lot of, got a lot got a lot of good basketball players. All of Europe really. Giannis is from Greece. Um, that's tough because I guess like the local. I, I don't know how, how popular you think basketball is in a place like the, the Dominican Republic where baseball is king or cuba or even japan to some extent korea all right so i have a list this is from worldatlas.com so this sounds like the most accurate information we could probably find and it says that the number one most popular sport worldwide is football soccer okay with four billion fans worldwide the number two sport is cricket ah see two thinking. and a half billion fans that's that doesn't seem right to me there's not cricket teams over here and shit. I, I don't know. Maybe it's more people tune into it, but yeah. yeah fuck if this it's list. not in the Continental 48, and <laughs> I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> well, fuck it. Hockey's number three. Like, Oh, okay. I completely overlooked hockey, but I wouldn't even, I wouldn't think hockey would be up there either. This list has got to be wrong. So hockey's three. Tennis is four. I fuck with tennis, but I, mm, not beating those other sports. Volleyball's five. Table tennis is six. <laughs> then basketball is seven. It, this list is crazy. Baseball at eight. I got to find another list. That just hmm. seems so wrong. Well, I don't know. Okay, this list is more believable. This is a new list from sportsbrowser.net. Um, ah, the old trusted sportsbrowser.net. <laughs> <laughs> Only coming with the best sources at the Friendship News Hour. The number one sport in the world, according to this list, is soccer with 3.5 billion followers. Uh, number two is cricket with 2.5 billion followers. Three is basketball, 2.2 billion. Four is hockey with 2 billion. Five is tennis with 1 billion. Jesus, man. Six is volleyball. 
mm. with 900 million. Table tennis is still at seven, 850 million. So the Asians must get down with table tennis, bro. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Baseball comes in at eight, 500 million. Rugby at 410, and American football at uh, 410. Also, then golf rounds off the top 10 with 390 million. I would expect golf to be a little bit higher than that list, but it makes sense because of the accessibility of all those sports. Yeah. You know, like, like uh, table tennis is probably far more accessible around the world than is golf. Um, and even like, I don't know, cricket. I don't know cricket. It just, it seems like an intense sport. It seems like something that's like complicated probably just cause my little, little brain doesn't understand it. Isn't it weird though, to like think for how big fucking sports are here in America with NFL and NBA and, and MLB, like, on a world scale, we're not really shit in comparison to like how like Europe and Asia like feel about their sports. Apparently, like when you look at those sports, football, like obviously yeah. soccer is here in America, but it's nowhere near what it is over in Europe and and elsewhere. And I mean, cricket. I don't even know if they've ever even had a cricket game in the fucking continental United States. Right. I. I <laughs> well, you know what's funny about that is when I was a kid, there was this little. Um, like this empty, big dirt lot that I think there were plans to put a park and they even did like way on the, on the corner, like a tiny little playground for kids. Mm. But the rest of it was largely a giant dirt lot, big, big, big dirt lot. And we had a ton of Samoans that lived close to us. Even though I'm on my street, we had one at the corner of a street. I swear to you, do they give Mexicans a run for their money of how many, how many family members they fit in one household? It was outrageous <laughs> how many people lived at that house, but they would all go almost on the daily. They would all go down to this little lot and they'd play cricket. Hmm. You drive past it. They're playing cricket. It was wild. And, um, so I don't really know where I was going with that, but, um, but, but I, 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 I do think we're pretty soft when it comes to being sports fans here in the States. But we're so hard on football. Like we're like but, but even, raging boner for NFL. I guess, but, but I don't know, man, it's so goddamn commercialized anymore that yeah. I guess we do get, we do get pumped for it, but it's not, it's, it's more of like, uh, I don't know. And, and maybe this is just me being in the West coast and being in a city that doesn't have a team, but I don't feel that, uh, that loyalty to, to team. It's all, it's almost just like, yeah, like go football. Like, yeah, you'll root for a team. And even if it's like from your city, like you're, you're, you're beholden to that team, but you're probably, you're probably like more fa- like focused on what your fantasy team is doing because you have yeah. more skin in that game than you do any game that you're, you know, local team plays. Yeah, that's true, man. And even as, I mean, I'm not living in Detroit, but I'm like a Lions fan. And even, even so, like I'm more tuned into red zone every Sunday than I am to what the fuck, what the Detroit Lions are doing, you know? Oh yeah, dude. Absolutely. hundred percent. I didn't have the luxury of having red zone like that, uh, when the chargers were still in town. So, so like the chargers would take precedent over anything back in the day, but now, especially now, dude, yeah red zone all day all day i know we talked about it before and your you know chargers left you but is there ever any room in your heart to bring them back into the fold or like do you think you'll move on to another team ever or it'll just kind of you'll stay in this fantasy football limbo of just kind of supporting football i don't know man i thought about that before you know it would be cool to like be a browns fan you know or a lions mm. fan they've had similar it's not that cool. I Disappointment and heartbreak. <laughs> you know, because you, cool. you just yeah, you, you get behind a team before they're good, and then oh, you know, the family yeah. suck, whatever. No, nah, yeah. I don't see it, man. Um, just because of the 
like I know you're a Lions fan. I don't want to take anything away from you, but like I like bled powder blue and yellow, man. Mm-hmm. Like it was my it was my shit. It was all I cared about, really. Um, and it was just and and the only fact was that I was attached to the city that I that I grew up and I loved. That's it. Right. I had nothing to do with anything of the team. Um, I guess I still have like a small soft spot for them. Yeah. And I could see how your devotion would have been as undying as it was, though, like for how connected charges were to San Diego. And then like you got to see one of the best running backs of all time play for your team. And then, you know, Phil, who was amazing, like never could really close out for a season, but like, yeah, still was a great quarterback. Like you got to see good football, great football. And, and, and then I think the timing of it also was excellent because when I started playing football, mm. I didn't start playing football until I was in high school. And that would, and that would have been 2005, the year really? before that. Yeah. You didn't play grade school football. No. What were My you like soccer or what? Us. No. Baseball. It was all baseball. Wow. Wow. Yeah. All baseball until high school. But yeah, so the, the year before my freshman year is the, is the year they they won the division. And now they hadn't been in the playoffs for 10 years. So the city was just like on fire. Everyone was talking about the Chargers. It was a big deal. And then you time up their you know, incredible run of, of, of really, really, really good teams with the years that I was playing football. And it was just like, uh, you know, the perfect storm. Right. And it's like, it's just like the greatest way to capture somebody's heart. It's something like that. Um, and, and you can say the same thing about the Padres when I was a kid and, and they made their, their world series run in 98, dude, the city was on fire. Everybody was talking about the Padres. It was everywhere. We were going to games. Yeah. It was all of the air. Um, and, and everything kind of revolved around that. So like, it was just imprinted upon you. So, you know, if they, once they up and move to LA, a city I already don't like, it's like, nah, man, I just have, I have absolutely no inclination to expense any emotional currency for this team anymore. And I tell you what, man, it feels fantastic to not feel like mm. shit on a Sunday when they lose, <laughs> especially like, cause the chargers had this really, really, really great uh, way of being just competitive enough, man, like just competitive enough, but in, like always lose. So there was always like this hope. And then, you know, you'd be like scoreboard watching and then you look at their record like, well, if they went out, they still got a chance, you know, yeah, like just like right. grasping at strings and that shit. sounds like bears fans, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. For sure. <laughs> so I, I don't know, man, it feels really good to not have that. And then even if San Diego were to bring in a team, which seems highly unlikely, but if they ever were, it'd be tough for me to get behind them also. Right. Like it, it, I, I guess I would really have no choice and I wouldn't be like against it, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the same. What if the Chargers were like, we're sorry. Like LA, this two team system this is not for us. This was stupid. You know, we've come to agreement with the city of San Diego. They're gonna build us a new stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coming that'd back. Be awesome. So you, be awesome. you guys would welcome them back with open arms. Yeah. It would also be cool if uh tomorrow we all stopped being a crazy psychopathic country and we all <laughs> got together and uh became adults. That would also be cool. It would be cool if uh we could stop hunger in Africa. It would be cool uh, <laughs> if there were no more, more hurricanes and earthquakes. I guess we all have pipe dreams, huh? <laughs> it's, it's the point I make is not happening. Yeah, no. So uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't like to that. think about it. It's, it's very akin to like a, uh, to like a, uh, losing like a, like a partner or like a loved one or a girlfriend or something, you know? A, well, a, I'll a, stop bringing a, it up then. I'm sorry. Divorce. It's okay. The wounds aren't healed, so I don't mind talking about it. They didn't get divorced because of you, though, Frank. They still love you just as much. 
That's what they say. It's not your fault. That's what they say. Um, yeah, you know, and, and that was another part of it, man. That, I think that was like the nail in the coffin for a lot of San Diegans was when they left. It wasn't uh, It wasn't like, uh, sorry, like we tried. It's not going to work out. We really appreciate it. it. was, we're gone. That was it. But wasn't that based on a vote of your city and like that voted down the stadium? No, not necessarily. Oh, okay. Not necessarily. I mean, that's the, that's what caused the decision. But, but what I'm saying, it, it, it wasn't even like a, like a, like a recognition of the last whatever years, because for them, it's just a continuation of the same team in yeah. a different place. Right. So if that was a case, well, it's like, all right, well then you truly, you truly don't care. Um, and, uh, yeah. So Thank you very much. What are you going to do? Exactly. What are you going to do? Can I do some self-promotion really quick? Oh, please. Uh, friends of our podcast, listeners, abound. I don't know why I'm, I'm prompting it this way. I dropped an album this week, and I'm really proud of it. <laughs> um, it's uh, a collection of songs I've been writing since like 2016. Kind of took a break with it. Came back to it about a year ago. Piece it together. Finalized it. And uh, really proud of it. It's called Walter's Wake. It is available on Spotify, Apple Music, bunch of other places go check it out it's a great album it's uh the kind of album that will get you very aroused <laughs> and then emotional so you can generate your own uh, lubricants exactly <laughs> um yeah it's a great album ton of heart a uh, ton of emotion very it's an album of feels man it's an album of feels it is it's like a bunch of music that came after my grandpa passed away who was like a a very big figure in my life. We were there, you know, three, four days a week after school and they always watched us. He took care of me, he got me into football. He was the person who like really pushed me for sports and stuff. So big like character in my life. And when he passed, it sucked a lot. And I'm not like an emotional dude, but a way that it, that has emotions have been able like to get through or whatever is, has always been through music for me. So I, I, those songs kind of came from that and I love it. I love the songs. I love the album. And actually I've been really surprised with like the feedback I've got from people because I didn't think that many people would enjoy like a emo autotune rap album, but like I've been getting crazy feedback from people I haven't heard from since like high school and stuff. Like it's, it's really cool to hear, see the response, but I, I'm excited to get back. It's got me inspired to get back to writing more music because I don't just write sad music. This was just like a sad, a sad project. So I'm excited yeah. to get back to it and, and do some other music showing, you know, what else I can do and what my friends can do. Cause that's a bit, my favorite part is like featuring friends and like, like showing off, the cool people that surround me. Definitely, man. And I, I can attest to it personally, sad auto tune emo rap is probably <laughs> my least favorite genre of music, <laughs> like right up there next to like world music. <laughs> uh, but I, but I truly enjoyed this album. Like truly, truly enjoyed it. It was, it was very good, man. Appreciate, appreciate. So yeah, anyone uh, wants to go check it out? It is called Walter's Wake. Um, you can find it pretty much anywhere where music is streamed. And yeah, that end of plug. Does it, does it make you feel weird that like eulogizing your grandfather, but also he shares the same name as your son? That is why I call it Walter's Wake. So like I was kind of thinking of the wake of a wave, like the the tide that kind of comes before or after a wave. Uh, I'm thinking of like a wake. Like well, a, kind of that too. Cause it's like the songs that I wrote after his passing. So it's kind of in a way like his wake, but like, it's the wake of a wave of, of like mm -hmm. feelings I had before or after he died and kind of like that, that grief, but then like how that kind of turns into a new wave. And then like that new wave would be my son and, and like the opportunity to build and, and mold and grow the family 
like he did with his family and, and kind of pass along a lot of that same shit to, to my mm-hmm. son and stuff. So that's, that's kind of where the name comes from. But yeah, I, I a lot of people have been, I, I can see how people would think it's just like the eulogy of awake, which is cool with me too. Cause it kind of is as well. Yeah, for sure. No, great album. If you have not, please go check it out. News. Yeah. Well, there's some cool, I mean, uh, I, I saw this uh, chart yesterday. Do, do you, do you go on Axios at all? No, heard of never, never. Axios heard. is cool, man. It's, it's like uh bite-sized news. Okay. Um, and it just kind of distills the, the importance of what's going on. Is it reputable? Like an AP? Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so it's a lot of, it's a lot of original content, but also, you know, it's like, for example, there was an article in the wall street journal about the outlook of 2022 and how it's kind of bleak. And so instead of you going to the wall street journal and reading a very dense article about the economic uh, and and overall outlook of 2022, they just kind of say, Hey, here, here's what they're saying. Here's why it matters. Um, and if you want to go deeper into this, here's an option for that. But, but it's, it's all like less than a page usually. Mm-hmm. And then they give you the option to go deeper anyway. And they're, they're very good. And, and there's not a ton of bias. It's, it's all just kind of like, uh, the downside of it is that it's it's like a social media in that it turns over very quickly. So it, you'll catch something like, oh, that's cool. And then if you want to like reference it, you're like, oh shit, where did I find that? And if it was like three days ago, you're like, well, fuck, I'm not going back three days on a timeline or something like that. But yeah. but um, they had a little uh, uh, snippet today about uh, people's interest in COVID news juxtaposed against COVID cases. And okay. essentially what they're saying is people are over it, <laughs> over it. They're fucking over it. So if we look right now, uh, seven day average of COVID-19 cases it, to yesterday, the 20th of December, 2021, seven day average, 130,000. Um, that's as high as it's been since about July. And then before that January. So, you know, it's trending very highly upwards. And then you look at the, and they're using the metric they're using for interest is social media interactions per COVID-19 article. Right. So if you look at March, 2020, um, there was about a thousand interactions per article written on COVID. And then it drops it continues to drop. It continues to drop. And then it like plummets. And right now it's at 93 interactions per article versus a thousand, um, back a year ago, whereas the cases are relatively high. Like, so I think the, where we peaked out was January of this year in, in cases seven day average was like 250,000. Um, and even then it was like 400 interactions per article. And now we're climbing back upwards. The cases are climbing back upwards and the interest is just continuing to wane, just continuing to go down. So I just, I thought that was interesting. If you were to like read the news or, or, you know, get into every single article about COVID, particularly now we know we've covered it at nauseum. It's just all fear related um, reporting. And, uh, it seems like people are over it, which is kind of a good sign, I think. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, right now, Chicago's mayor, Lori Lightfoot, very beloved by all the Chicago 
people. That yeah, she's here. great. World class that that Miss Lightfoot. She is to make a major announcement uh, regarding COVID, and many believe. Oh, fuck. And what I've been reading is that it's going to be a proof of vaccine to get in anywhere that you go mandatory for any business downtown. So here we fucking go, man. People might be over it. And maybe stuff like this is why, because we're just sick of playing this fucking game. Like we got vaccinated and and you're, you know, it's just going to keep being this, this cat and mouse game uh, of, you know, do this, now do this, now do this, now do this. And looking at the stats, man, I mean... Yes, cases have have boosted a lot. Like you, if you look at like Chicago's uh, cases to death uh, comparison, mm-hmm. cases have risen. Uh, you know, from even like my birthday, the seven day average of new cases, uh, November twenty fifth was nine hundred and forty seven, and now it in Chicago it's up to four thousand three hundred ninety eight. A lot of new cases. This Omicron, it's it's spreading. It's crazy. Omicron. How the fuck you say it? I don't even care. The O. The big O. The it's, big O. <laughs> it's spreading. New, but deaths are. I mean, they've rose, but not significant significantly. Uh, the seven day average back uh, right around my birthday was uh, eight, and it, it's now up to fifteen. But it's dipped as low as ten, you know, like a week ago. So it, it's rising, but it's not like we're losing. People like we were in droves when all these mandates and all this stuff was was going into effect, and it wasn't as much of like a, a pushback from from the populace. It, it wasn't like it was in in the height of it in May last year when you had a seven day average of eighty five people dying, or December of last year when it was sixty one. Like we're at fifteen. This thing's fuck. It's been pretty managed, and most of those deaths, I'd be willing to bet, are like you know seventy plus year olds. I mean, yeah. you know, a lot of people that probably aren't in the general population or doing things day to day. So it's like the way that we're in L.A. or in California, like requiring masks everywhere now. I mean, it looks like here in Chicago, you need to prove that you're vaccinated to go places. And and then you see the messaging from the White House where, where they released something uh, this past week. And it, it was just uh, did you see that? Like the the statement that the White House put out? Yeah, and and apparently that that's going to be a, a, a some sort of news conference today, where the president's going to iterate some sort of equivalent message that was put out on the website. But go ahead, let them know about it. Yeah, the the website this the uh, phrasing of this is is pretty concerning. I'll just kind of give you a chunk of this. But unlike last winter, we now have the power to protect ourselves. Our vaccines work against Omicron, especially for people who get booster shots when they are eligible. If you are vaccinated, you could test positive. But if you do get COVID, your case will likely be asymptomatic or mild. We are intent on not letting Omicron disrupt work and school for the vaccinated. You've done the right thing, and we will get through this. For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winner of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. What the fuck is that, man? Mm, Merry what Christmas. kind of messaging is that? Yeah, that's, that's so that's so pointed and so like if you're not with us, you're against us. So fuck you for dying this winter. <laughs> like what the fuck, man? Yeah, I mean, it kind of just begs the question: like, what's your goal there? You know, like, it, it, do you think like that kind of strong-handed message is going to ha- like increase the the rate of vaccination? Could you imagine if Trump said that shit when he was in office, bro? How yeah, tripping right. the the left would have been about all this, dude? Like, you can't say that. that's not presidential. But it wasn't the president that said that. It was some. It was some aide or something uh, yeah. during a press conference with the doctor. But yeah, we, we we read from the the governor of Colorado last time we were on, and he basically was like, "Look, 
you've had every opportunity to get vaccinated. If you're not going to, if, if you haven't gotten it now, you're probably not going to get it. But the time where public health officials uh, are, are telling people what to do is over. And, and like, like, duh, obviously, right. The, the problem I have with things like what Lori Lightfoot is doing in Chicago is that all you have to do is look at sports teams right now. The NBA, the NHL, who's paused their season until after the holidays, and the NFL. It is a requirement that all of these players are vaccinated. All the right. vaccination rate would, would, between these leagues is over 95%, and all of these breakthrough cases are happening. So you tell me, what is a vaccination uh, card proof? What does it prove? It proves nothing. Like, unless somebody can can come on here and tell me that if you get the if you get covid then you're way more likely to transmit covid than somebody who hasn't been vaccinated which might be the case i don't think so the issue here is and and, and i have to be sympathetic about this issue is that if you aren't vaccinated the chances of you getting far sicker from this are greater right um and, and that is not a good thing for hospitals. So when you're talking about overrunning hospitals, it's like, okay, I can be sympathetic to that. The, the Cleveland Clinic, um, one of the preeminent uh, uh, hospital networks in, in all of the land, sent out a, a plea to, to the, uh, the people of greater Northeast Ohio asking them to get vaccinated, right? And I, I think that's kind of a you can look at that more like one of two ways, like maybe that's a bridge too far for a hospital network to, to get into the fray. Um, but basically what they're saying is that their emergency departments are filled and they have people in line waiting to get into the hospital and that they are, um, they are kind of overrun with COVID right now, according to their, uh, their network reports, some 4,800 people are being treated with COVID, uh, within their, within their, healthcare network. Um, and right now, two years after this thing really began, they're seeing some of the highest volumes of patients, um, with, with COVID. So, I mean, I think, I think that right there is basically the, the only, the only time where I'm going to really get sympathetic to the message where it's like, look, if you're in a community like, like in, in, in Ohio and you know, let's be very fair to Ohio. They're, they're, they're not the, the, the fittest of areas of this country. I mean, it like really, truly, I mean, it's, it, it's a big fat part of the country. So I can imagine that if COVID runs through a community like Northeast Ohio, it's not going to be great. Yeah. You're putting the risk on yourself if you're not getting vaccinated. Um, but also if you are seeking medical care because you're not vaccinated uh, and the hospital systems are being overrun. I don't know to, to what extent the people that are in the hospital or being treated for COVID are unvaccinated. Uh, but I have to imagine that it's, it's, you know, pretty high. Um, so again, uh, not, uh, like really, truly not like do what you want, but, yeah. but you have to, you also have to look at this shit objectively. Right. And if you're going to say like, Hey, I don't want vaccine mandates, uh, then here we go right here. 80% of the hospitalized are unvaccinated. 90% in the ICU are unvaccinated. All right. Well, there's the data. You want data? There's your data. I mean, that's all I really need to see was, all right, well, you know what? Fucking a, you know, it, 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 it seems as though that the vaccines kind of, uh, are, are, are to eliminate this risk in large part. Um, but to ask 
regular citizens to prove that they're vaccinated in order to go into places. LA has already done this. If you want to go eat in a restaurant, you have to prove that you're vaccinated. Mm -hmm. That I have a giant issue with because that goes far beyond public safety. That goes far beyond anything that we have control over. Right now, the only thing we have control over is hospitalizations and deaths decreasing due to the vaccine. And if you think that you can get away with it through some sort of treatment, through whatever, and you don't want to get the vaccine, I don't believe that it should be mandated upon you. But you cannot be ignorant to the fact that if you are unvaccinated, the data is out. You are going to have a greater chance of getting sick. So, I mean, to, to me, I do believe there is some sort of moral responsibility for somebody who understands their risks of getting very sick or dying of this disease and then rolling those dice uh, and, and then putting the onus on uh, their community's hospital system. That to me is like, all right, well, you're, you're kind of an asshole for doing that. And, and I don't really think that that should be, you know, a practice that's widespread as it's as, as widespread as it seems to be there in Ohio. We talked about it before though. And like, what if there was some kind of system in place, like if they're going to get rid of a lot of these restrictions, if there was some kind of system in place where like hospitals prioritize people who are vaccinated, like that also incentivizes people to get vaccinated, but also like lets people know that, Hey, you're more likely to get sick if you don't have the vaccine. And if you come here, we're going to be helping the people that at least tried to like take the strain off of our system, you know, and not like went out of their way because of a micro trip or whatever, like whatever, like whatever you're reason is but like these people at least tried to like take the strain off and, and still got sick somehow speaks to the vaccine a little bit but like <laughs> if that's the case like maybe that's the best way to handle it so we can still live a normal life without having like a covid passport to go around our country yeah i mean super tough decision there right? I know. Um, <laughs> and it and it sets a wildly dangerous precedent in that you can you can prioritize treatment from one person or another and and so much in it, to that point um if you look at um monoclonal antibody, uh, uh, treatments, people have been denied monoclonal antibody treatments because they're white. Cause we're not as high a risk as like Latin. Yeah. I've, well, I've, no, that because they, that because it, it's, it's wanted to be more equitable. Oh, okay. Cause yeah, I, I, I would see that if the case was like, Hey, Latino and black people are, are much more likely to you know, you know, 80% more likely to die from this than white people. We got to help them out. Like that makes sense. But if it's just like an equality thing, that's interesting. Yeah. Like if you're a white person, I, I, and I, I have to do a little bit more, uh, uh digging into this in, in order to find these stories because I have them kind of spread out all over my, my, uh, internet organization. But there's like, there's been people who said, Hey, they have told me because I'm white, I cannot get this monoclonal antibody treatment which is a treatment that you get prior to going to the hospital as, as a treatment in lieu of going to the hospital, right? Like take this, if you hopefully get better, you don't need to go to the hospital and get treated. Um, so like that kind of, that kind of attitude towards medical treatment, I think is incredibly dangerous. And if you're, and if you're saying like, Hey, we're going to prioritize the, the vaccinated over the unvaccinated, like, yeah, that sets a super dangerous precedent and you're playing with fire. However, if it gets to the point where your system is overrun and a majority of the people who are sick and, 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 and doing really badly in your hospital are unvaccinated and, and, and they're taking up 
a bed that could have gone to somebody who did get the vaccine. I mean, fuck man. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, how do you, how do you make that decision? Do, do, are you in violation of your, uh, I don't know if I'm sure it's the administration and not actual doctors making this decision, but are you in violation of your, your Hippocratic oath? If you're saying that, or are your hands tied and you're saying, I have nothing else to do. These people took this risk and this is the risk that they're living with. And that they knew that if they didn't get this vaccine, that particularly with whatever, uh, uh, preconditions that they might have gives them a much higher chance of being sick, dying. This person here just needs help because they have nowhere else to go. And they've done the things that, that they, that they could have to prioritize their own health. That to me is not a terrible message. It it's just dangerous. Yeah. But all, like on the flip side of that too, like as I'm devil advocating myself uh, here, it's like, if we, if we have a vaccine that we're forcing people or trying to force people to get and holding their livelihood over their heads about it, like they shouldn't, people shouldn't be checking into the hospital as much as we're still hearing about, like it should be pretty fucking effective. Mm. Like at this point, I would think they would just be treating, you know, 99 or whatever percent of people that, you know, haven't been vaccinated. So it's, it's, to me, it's just like, well, I get it. I'm about the vaccine. Like the data out there shows that it's helpful and it, it does something, but it's like, it's just such, it's like a double standard when, when you go and then you compare the stats like there shouldn't be that many people that are vaccinated in these hospitals like we should pretty much just be helping unvaccinated at this point i don't know true true but but you know i mean like outside of covid right what is what is being un- i mean yeah I, I think we've all heard the stories about things going untreated due to the fact that people just don't want to go to the hospital right whatever treatment whatever illness you had that was uncovid related that you just put on the back burn because you don't want to go to the hospital because COVID or whatever, you don't want to deal with all that. Uh, I got to imagine, and this is, I'm, I'm making this up in my head, right. But, but, but I'm just playing through the scenario that if you had a condition or a illness that was non COVID related, and then you tried to go to the hospital for whatever reason, and, and, you know, you were told that you have to wait because there's so many people in, in the hospital with COVID right now that they're treating. Yeah. Um, you know, th- that would make me very upset uh, as an individual. I, I agree that, there, there probably does have to be, you know, I, I, this goes both ways because I, I, I think that, that much more in, in America, we need to start living with the, the consequences of our decisions. Um, and, and just because I don't particularly advocate for a mandate of, uh, masking or of vaccines doesn't mean that there shouldn't be the consequences of you not doing these things. I think the message if you read through the noise is that the government and, 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 and whatever uh, organizations that are, that are attached to it shouldn't be the people who are telling us what we have to do. We should be the ones that are doing and making decisions for ourselves based on the information that we have. And the information right now is very clear that if you don't get vaccinated, you, you, you could be in for a rough ride, right? Like it's, obvious if, if you look at what, what the Cleveland clinic is saying. Um, but, but then there's consequences to those actions and, and are the consequences that we just do not treat these people because they were, I don't know, ignorant on, you know, like, I don't know, you know, my mom sent out a, a text yesterday to our family. Cause everybody's getting together for Christmas this year. And one of my uncles and aunts is unvaccinated, right? Their choice. And they're healthy people. So far as I know, yeah. uh, but, but they're, 
in their 60s. So if they're unvaccinated and then they get and then they go to the hospital, somebody says, hey, you know, uh, sorry, your uncle and aunt didn't make it, but they were unvaccinated and we had to prioritize. And it was a tough decision. It was a decision we didn't want to make, but we had to. And this is the consequence of their decision. I would be furious with that, right? Because it hits home. But yeah. if I take that, if I take that emotional attachment out of it and somebody just said that about somebody that I don't know, I was like, okay, well, I kind of understand your position. I'm not happy about it, but I don't necessarily disagree with it. I don't, I, uh, it's so, it's so hard, man. I, I really can't like think of an option. I'm, I, I'm, I just like the rest of the country. I'm just kind of sick of this, man. It's like, we can't, it's been almost damn near two years of, of this lifestyle and living this way. And it's like, we can't, I don't think our country can like keep doing this forever and ever and ever as each new mutation comes out. Like we gotta, like you keep saying, like get to a point where we just learn how to actually live with this virus and like get back to some form of what normal was before, because having to prove that you're vaccinated to go to the grocery store or, or so many other places, it's just ridiculous to me, man. Yeah, that is ridiculous. And it's like akin to, uh, right. Like, like if you're, if your chances are pretty solid that you're going to get the disease anyways, but you're just not going to get sick from it. Then to me, it's like akin to proving that you've gotten the flu shot this year and I never right. get the flu shot and I never get the fucking flu. And so like, to me, that's what it's like. Like I haven't got COVID so far as I know. Right. And right. I do a lot of things to help make myself as healthy as possible mainly what I do is just try and offset all the unhealthy shit that I do. But, but, <laughs> but like really, and truly like I'm not worried about it and there's enough data out there that says I shouldn't be worried about it. So why is the responsibility on me to prove to you something that is largely arbitrary in, in any sort of public setting? At this point, it's like, if, if you are someone who is still very like, high risk or very worried about this, like, you should probably just stay home. Like it's 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 been two years. You should just stay home, stay safe. There's all kinds of services for grocery delivery and whatever the hell you need. Like it's it's kind of like when we talk about like mm. changing the rules for like the, the the transgender community. This very 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 05 percent small, even probably less like of our full population. But yet we're bending like we're doing all this stuff to like as if they were like a 30% part of our population. And it's like, there is a very, very small percentage of people who, you know, aren't in senior homes that are affected by this. And like they, if they're really that worried about it, stay home. Like everyone else yeah. should not have to bend their knee to your fears. Like it's, exactly. it's after two years, like it's, it's been I'm about it when it's early on, we don't know much, but it's like, we have a pretty good grasp of what this is. And yeah, like we see ebbs and flows, just like the flu virus. Like you see ebbs and flows of, of it sp spiking and, and going to its valleys, but it's like, we, we have somewhat of a grasp of what this is. And if you're really scared, stay home. Yeah, man. A hundred percent. Like if you're going to say like, all right, well, the majority of people who are uh, in the hospital getting sick COVID are, are, are unvaccinated and we might have to make some really uncomfortable decisions based off of that fact. Then on the flip side, you can't expect the entirety of society to, to, to bend to the will of those who are, are risk adverse, you know? Right. And, and I mean, it, it's, and that's the thing I think that also boggles my mind. And, and, and I think a lot of us are kind of getting up, up up to speed on this. And it's, it's that the risk that you assume every day is pretty high, right? Like it, it life is not safe yeah. and it's not ever going to be like a 
totally safe place. Neither should it be like in order for us to, to run, there has to be some assumption risk and just the, the absolute like lack of intestinal fortitude on the whole of everybody is it's to me, it's just kind of like a little bit disappointing. And it's also very frustrating because it's like those voices seem to be the loudest. And it's like, what, like, why, why, like you said, stay at home. We don't have to, we don't have to bend to your will in, in order for this to be a successful, you know, uh, uh, breakthrough of this, uh, of this period in time in our country. So, so, but by, by all means, if you're risk adverse, then go ahead. But the arbitrariness of these rules that are being put in place is only going to cause way more friction within the general public because there seems to be a giant disconnect between leadership and regular folks. And it might just be because leadership doesn't feel like they have to play by the same rules or they're not as beholden to the rules that they're making for everybody else. Um, and so they don't really f- feel the effects of it. Right. And there's been countless stories yeah. of, of, of that happening, but I don't know. I don't know what it is. There seems to be a disconnect. And that is why I advocate strongly for civil disobedience with this bullshit <laughs> yeah. that's been going on. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask and make somebody confront you about it. If you don't want to show your vaccine card because you don't have to and it's arbitrary and you're just following the rules for the sake of following the rules, then don't do it. Don't do it. You don't get anywhere by not breaking the rules. And these rules are set up for the mental comfort of a few. And I think, like you said, man, it's been two years. I've run out of grace I have absolutely no patience for other people's feeling. I'm not here trying to be polite. I don't give a fuck what you think about me not wearing a mask. Yeah. I don't give a fuck what you think about me not showing my vaccine card. It matters not to you because you are in control of your own safety, of your own protection when it comes to this. It's not, it's not on me to make you feel comfortable. And it never was. So like that whole idea that, that that's where we should be, it's, it's asinine. It's, it's completely backwards. There's absolutely no form of progression towards a better future with that mindset. And, and I'm over it, man. I'm fucking over it. I have, I have no patience for these petty little rules that showing your vaccine card to go eat in a restaurant. Yeah. Your pasta is not that important to me. Eric Trump made a good uh, point re- referring to like vaccines and uh, masks. Um, and he's not like a hero of mine. I just like this point that he made. Um, and he said, why do I need to carry an umbrella to stop it from raining on you. And that's, <sighs> that's so fucking true. It's like, if you're worried about it, bring a fucking umbrella or just stay at home and you won't get there rain. You go. But, and I say this as like a vaccinated person too, but like, I know the, the hospitals are overrun and all this and this, but if there's one like industry that I could give a fuck less about complaining about money, it, it's like the medical pharmaceutical industry. Like I, I know that like the nurses and the people that probably deal with more of the ground of this are, are like the, and like the bullshit of this are the ones that aren't paid as well as like the companies that charge a million dollars for a drug that costs them a thousand or whatever, you know, like the, the Martin Screlly and the shit that, that these companies do or, or used to do. He's like in prison now, but th- these are the last people that I feel bad for, or, you know, our healthcare system, like you guys have the money to do what you need to do to facilitate this. I have no mm-hmm. doubt of that. Maybe you need to rearrange how the fuck your whole system works. And these companies don't get to charge this much to these patients or these, these hospitals, even if they're selling their drugs to the hospitals. But like that is the last industry, you know, maybe aside from like a wall street where I would feel bad about, you know, their money situation or whatever they're trying to do. Like they, there's a way for them to handle this. I'm sure. 
and, and maybe that's paying these nurses and the people that really deal with this more money. Because I, I can yeah. imagine they're probably quitting at a high rate right now, which doesn't help this problem of a big influx of people. Right. Right. You brought up, uh, uh, you know, changing the rules for, for transgender athletes. And I, I saw this, uh, I saw this, somebody made this, I don't know, like a poster kind of thing. Um, and it says calling all mediocre males, women's medals, records, scholarships, and sponsorships are now up for grabs. Live mm. your dream by ruining theirs. <laughs> Damn. Well, it comes off the heels. You heard about that swimmer? No. That UPenn swimmer? Mm-mm. Oh, you haven't heard about this? No. Tell oh, me. man. This is the most egregious case of trans athlete thievery. Mm. So there's a, a gal named Leah Thomas. Leah was once a man for a very long time. Leah's 22. For 21 of her years, uh, she was a, a, a biological male. She, when she was a biological male, was a, uh, a swimmer at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, once went by the name of Will Thomas is now Leah Thomas. Um, she transitioned. She was on hormone therapy for one year and is now a women's swimmer breaking all sorts of records for the school, for the Ivy league. Um, and like coming dangerously close to world records. That's wrong, dude. That's so like, I don't want to sit here and be sound like a bigot, man, but that's so fucking wrong. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> but you know what, man? Like I, I know we kind of beat this drum a little bit, but I, to me, this is kind of important stuff. Like this is like trying to rewrite shit and wh- whatever. I, I don't consider myself any sort of advocate, but I think if you're just a decent human being in America, that you've understood the strife of women for a very, very long time. Right. And just in the past, you know, later half of this decade or this century, uh, the 20th century into the 21st century, women really started to come into their own and had the ability and, and the drive to take over businesses and to be, you know, strong leaders, women, prime ministers all over the world. It hasn't happened yet in the United States, but you know, I, I, I think we all know it's just a matter of time before there's a woman vice president. Right. Exactly. And then you could have somebody transition for a year after being a man their whole life and then go swim for the women's team and break records. Like, like tell me how that doesn't take women back a hundred years. Yeah. I feel like Dave Chappelle, bro. It makes me feel like a feminist. Like that's wrong to actual women. I mean, come the fuck on dude. Like, I don't know, man, because we don't have a solution for this. I can't sit here and say, this is what we have to do. I don't know what, what has to be done, but this is not right. And maybe there needs to start being consequences for transitioning. And, and maybe we just have to recognize it as a very like sensitive and in some respects, unfortunate case in people's lives that they have gender dysphoria. Right. And I think we can support that struggle as, as a society pretty well. Hey, you're in America. You want to, you want to transition to be a, a, a gender that you weren't born in. Hey, do what you want. And like, you're in the place for that, but maybe it means that you can't go and compete, uh, in this gender's specific category because of the 
dark advantages that your body yeah. possesses versus somebody else. I'm pretty sure like a mentally impaired or whatever impaired person could perform in the Olympics, but I, you know, their like their chances of beating the best athletes in the world are probably very, 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 very slim. So that that's why you have the special Olympics. So they can still, you know, compete, have fun, have the games, like do what the, you know, do the spirit of what the Olympics is, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Like the special Olympics is great. Shane Gillis has a bit about it. Like, think about the guy who pitched that, though, to his friend. He's probably like, no, do not do that. You're crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it does, it does came sound up like with a, that. That's a crazy No, idea. it does sound like a complete, like, <laughs> asshole move. He's like, we'll get a bunch of them together and we'll just <laughs> make them compete. <laughs> but truly, like, honestly, I think this is somewhat of a solution to make everyone happy. And it's not like, hey, if you're transgender, you have to give up sports because it's not fair to the people that are actually that gender. You know, make a transgender Olympics, man. Like, then it's still like guys, biological guys competing against biological guys. They're just now women. You know, it's it's just like a transgender Olympics like that. I don't see why that wouldn't work and, and wouldn't it be like a viable option to like make everybody happy. I don't think that would make the transgender folks happy because their whole thing is that transgender women are women. But they're not those like that's we got to like move on from that. You can still be a woman like yeah. in the sense that you feel like you're a woman dressed like a woman day to day. But like you shouldn't be able to compete against them in sports. Like that's, that's a very different disconnect. I don't know, man. I, good luck with that. I, I don't see that happening anytime yeah. soon. I think, I think we just need to wait out this grace period that we've given to, to the transgender community. And then we all need to wake up to the fact that while it's no less of a struggle than any other community of people that struggle, right. And, and may even be more so than, than, than a lot of the folks, it's a small portion of the community. And, I mean, imagine, I don't know, I mean, like imagine being the coach of the swim team and saying like, yeah, we want you on this team. Like how, how, how does that make everybody else feel on the team? Like what? Hold on. This person is setting records, shattering records. Taking scholarships away from actual women who have probably worked their whole life to swim. It, and now Yeah. And, and it just, it just leaves a terrible taste in a lot of people's mouth and, and, and you know, some swimmers on this team had reached out, albeit anonymously to, to some new news organizations and gave interviews and was like, dude, we're not happy with this support Leah and her endeavors. But for Christ's sake, man, like it, it, it's, it's attempting to bend reality and attempting to like misconstrue what it, it what is, is like you, you're trying to rearrange things that can't be rearranged. And I think it's only a matter of time before that rebounds. And we're like, yeah, yeah we probably got this one wrong. Probably got this one. I often wonder, like, you know, like how like our parents, probably when they were our age, like gay was like a big thing. Mm -hmm. And like, there's, I mean, a lot of parents still today, like haven't accepted gay people, like the vast majority of like the population in like our, our country has, I feel like it's very, very normalized now compared to what it was, you know, years mm -hmm. ago. Do you think like that thing for our generation will be like transgender rights and like our kids or their kids, kids, you know, that this won't even be an issue. Like everyone should be able to be what they want to be. Like, I don't think it's an issue now. Like, like, but it's a thing that makes like, like a person like me who I wouldn't say is a bigot. Like it makes me sound like a bigot when I talk about it. Cause I, I think there's a lot of things about it that are just kind of ridiculous. Well, that's not your fault. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not, uh, I, like I know you and, and even the words that you're saying, right. Words that we're saying, I don't think they're intolerant words because yeah. if somebody were to, to, to combat what we're saying, they, I have yet to hear an mm -hmm. argument that's based in reality that says that this is okay. Right. And then you might make the argument that trans women are women fine. Right. But there are certain advantages that they have other over, over other women that, that are absolutely concrete facts right there in front of you. This person physically 
has been a man for, for however long. That is an, an unfortunate event. And you are, you're behind the eight ball on it. Like, like, you know, like that's the kind of attitude that I feel like we need to have. If we're going to have that about everybody else, right? Like if we're going to have like, sorry, you, you were born this way or this way or this way, or this way, or this way, doesn't matter. This is the, this is the, the, the cards you are now drawn. And if you're saying to me that it is not a choice that I'm making to be a woman, but in fact, this is who I am. Well then great. But you also have to recognize that your situation is not the same as every other woman's situation. And choices come with consequences. So like, it can't just be like a perfect fairy tale world for these people that feel like they're something that other than they were born, which is fine. But like, you can't have everything your way just because you want it that way. I agree a hundred percent. And I, 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 I don't believe that there is not one singular person who is transgender that has had to rationalize what they're doing when they're competing in sports against other women, because you know, in your heart that you're not the same as much as you want to be treated the same. And like, as much as we can create an atmosphere around society that treats you the same and calls you by the name that you want to be called and the pronoun that you want to be called, like none of these things are egregious on their face. And, and I don't think anybody has a problem. I think for the most part, we're all very tolerant of people wanting to do what they want to do because we recognize we're in a country that allows us to do what we want to do. That allows us to come on here and, and, and put words out into the, into the ether that, that some people may or may not agree with. But at the same time, if we're not going to live in reality, that I'm, I, I have no problem pushing back on that. And if you want to label me as one way or the other, that's fine. doesn't matter. But this is important. This is truly, truly important. Soon we won't be living in reality, though. The metaverse will be upon us very soon. <sighs> Negative. Not for me. <laughs> Not for me and mine. You can miss me with that one. Yeah. We're about to be modern day Wally, man. Mm. Fuck. Just talking to someone about this. Like, we're just going to all be fat fucks sitting in chairs. A, a vast majority mm. of us will be. That's already your reality, Alan. Another reality is that drinking a good smooth cup of coffee is a treat all by itself. But when you can do that and help American heroes like veterans and first responders, it makes it that much better. Our sponsor, Gun Barrel Coffee, is proud to donate $1 from every single item purchased to veterans and first responder charities all across our great country. They offer 14 different blends and roasts, which you can get in whole bean ground or single serve K-Cup pods. And right now, as a friend of our ship, you can use the promo code FNH10 to save 10% at checkout when you buy their products at gunbarrelcoffee.com. That is promo code FNH10. Gun Barrel Coffee, damn good coffee. Damn good calls. I don't know why I put that little sass on it this week, but it felt right. Mm, indeed. I feel like I am... Uh, <laughs> like over caffeinated on this stuff right now. And I'm just kind of like, you know, you get when the fucking gears just <laughs> seize up on you after too much caffeine. Yeah. Uh, so limit yeah. yourself to about three cups before noon. Little announcement too, kind of. And we're going to, you know, by the time you hear this, hopefully we'll be live and active, but we are going to be launching a web store, uh, a Shopify website where you will be able to buy friendship news, hour merchandise, uh, sweaters, t-shirts, cups all kinds of thing we even have a uh you can see the video if you're watching the video a very cute uh coffee mug with our logo on it soup's cute handmade in america um and we'll also be doing some kind of bundles with friend with uh gun barrel coffee so look for that we'll be posting all over the socials for it but be aware you can buy some shit with our name yeah. on it uh yeah we'll let you know uh basically any socials uh you'll be able to find our shop and you you can uh find our socials at the following locations on Twitter, 
at Friendship NH on Instagram and on TikTok, same handle at Friendship News Hour. And uh, if you'd like to send us a longer message, you can do so via email, bummerdude.media at gmail.com is our email address. That's bummerdude.media at gmail.com. And uh, we'll see you next time.